And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 122 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, 122 strikeouts. That's exactly the number of strikeouts that Tyler Beatty has for his career for now. Because he might, oh. he's, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. So that will go up. Uh, but 122, that's how many strikeouts he has in a Giants uniform. And how many innings is that across? That's across 124 innings. Uh, oh, so that is okay. a pretty good, you know, almost a strikeout per inning. There's still something there. Are you a beady believer? In 1987, that would have been like a life-changing amount of strikeouts. And now <laughs> if you strike out a batter in inning, that's kind of like, okay, you can stay. Just barely. But you can stay. That's funny because the other Giants pitcher with exactly 122 strikeouts in their career was Dave LaPointe in 1985. And he struck out 122 batters in 206 innings. And that was sort of like, <laughs> yeah, all right, you know, we're rolling. Yeah, good job, Dave LaPointe. Have batter every other inning. What we're expecting. I'm nostalgic thinking of all that sweet, nourishing contact, all those balls in play, all those infielders <laughs> streaming in one direction or another, all the outfielders running into the gaps. Uh, yeah, baseball as it used to be. The problem is that it was for the 1985 Giants, and so a lot of these balls weren't exactly caught. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't a great defensive team. It wasn't a great team in a lot of respects. Yeah, that's true. Balls in play are usually only as good as their exit velocities combined by the general dexterity of the players behind you. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we've got uh, we've got uh, Tyler Beatty coming back at some point this season. But I, you know what, I think. One of the big themes of this first road trip for the Giants, winning three, losing three, their rotation was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. The Giants are in a decent spot where they've won as many games as they've lost. They have prevented runs. I think uh, over the last five games, the big blow up was a four run outing. Other than that, it's been, you know, three runs, no runs. They've been limiting the runs, keeping them off the board and they can't hit. So it's this is like the opposite of what we were expecting. That's just an early season burp, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. If, if you were to look up and say the rotation had a 260 ERA and the the Giants hit, what, 11 homers in six games, you'd think that's great. They're undefeated. That's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously, and they, they should have they should have won both series, right? They should have won on opening day. Um, yeah, they shouldn't have blown a five-run lead in the eighth inning. Um, 
you know, Kevin Gossman should have two more wins than he has. Uh, actually, nobody in the rotation got an actual pitcher win, a shiny, shiny W, um, despite the fact that they all pitched so well. So, you know, yeah, it's a missed opportunity a bit. But, you know, when you take a series from the Padres and you go three and three on the road and you realize that this offense really is not clicking at all yet, they're not generating a whole lot of rallies and you know that they will because their approaches are good they 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 did really well last year there's certainly reasons to expect more out of this offense then you know you look at three and three and you think okay you know that's not a terrible place to start yeah i i'm in the middle of writing a worry power rankings for the lineup and basically the gag is you know don't come on don't worry like you know six games in they're gonna find their strokes they're going to not struggle so much against the the blake snells and the u darvishes of the world they're eventually going to fish, uh, face pitchers who are not u darvish and Blake Snell. Um, don't worry about it. At the, at the same time, it's so easy to focus in on a guy like, say, Mike Yastrzemski. We should know that he's just a solid major league hitter, a better than solid, a good major league hitter, a very a guy who can finish with MVP boats ma- major league hitter. At the same time, there's always that feeling of, oh, what if the clock strikes midnight? What if the other shoe falls? You know, maybe he's living on borrowed time. It's just so easy to fall in these traps at the beginning of a season. If he has this week in the middle of May, everyone's like, ah, Mike Strumps get a bad week. That's weird. But in the beginning of the season, everyone's ah, you know, what's what's wrong with him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at his at-bats and obviously he's pressing a little bit. He's expanding the zone, which, which we didn't really see him do a lot last year. But yeah, if the first week of the season sort of told the story of your career, then like Emilio Bonifacio would be an inner circle Hall of Famer. He's like the first guy I think of who who was just like unconscious to start a season and went like, you know, 12 for 11 or whatever the heck he did. Um, but yeah, it's it's the small sample magnification thing and it works both good and bad. And it can be something that can send you on a little bit of a springboard if you get off to a good start. I do believe in that. But um, yeah, I you know, it's it's you, you watch it, you look at it, you go, hmm but you don't necessarily overreact to it. And so there are questions that I that I had going into the season that maybe we have a little bit of information that we can at least talk about. One of the questions I had is Austin Slater as a defender in center field. Uh, I haven't noticed him. That probably means it's it's working, right? Like if, if you haven't noticed him, then so far so good. Yeah, I would say Wednesday I noticed a home plate umpire Rob Drake a lot more than I noticed Austin Slater center fielder, which speaks well for Austin Slater and does not speak well for Rob Drake. <laughs> Poor and, Rob Drake. Yeah. Umpiring is a hard job, <laughs> it is. but Rob Drake is also terrible at it. I mean, two things can be true, as Ralph Barbieri would say. <laughs> yeah. No, I always have to, you know, whenever you watch a minor league game or a college game, especially, you know, if I'm watching uh, a lot of NAIA uh, uh, softball because I'm watching Southern Oregon University softball team. Uh, and look, the umpires up there, it's a different kind of quality. You appreciate once you start digging down levels, you appreciate the quality of umpiring in the major leagues. At the same time, there are Mike Trouts of umpires and there are not Mike Trouts of umpires. And, you know, there are guys, there are the Nafi Perez's of umpires and you you start to pick up on which ones are which. So quick story. I was uh, once in high school and I was helping out at a, a parochial uh, Catholic grade school basketball tournament that was being held at my high school and they needed some extra referees. So I, I volunteered and, you know, I, I'd been around basketball enough. I, I knew what you did. I knew you held up the fingers, you know, foul on number one, five, you know. 
with a hold. Hey, I knew basically what you're supposed to do. So we get to like- Wait, wait, wait. Were you doing the Stephen vote? Like, were you into it like this? I mean, I I won't lie. I did. I was a little performative (laughs) more than I needed to be for, you know, um, basically Holy Name of Mary versus Sacred Heart of Pomona. Um, But with eight- people in the stands. But yeah, you know, I, I I got into it a little bit. So so it's like the third game or whatever, and everything's going fine, you know, but there's one other referee with me. It's a two-person crew. And the other guy was really performative. He was really into it. Um, and he was like an older guy. I think he was in his mid-30s. What, what he was doing there, I have no idea. But uh, <laughs> we get to like the third game, and uh, and some kid puts up a shot at the buzzer, and it goes in. And I thought he didn't get it off in time. So I'm waving, I'm, I'm waving my arms and I look over and there's my other guy. And he is demonstratively like, like on his knees, like pointing down, point, 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 like count it, count it, count it. <laughs> and the kids are, the coaches are looking at us like, what are you guys doing? And I thought, oh no, I'm never going <laughs> to do this again. <laughs> so, so, you know, what can you do? We, we got together and I'm like, I didn't think he got it off in time. He's like, he got it off in time. It's like, well, we can't go back on your call, but we can go back on mine. So I'm, I'm with you. Fine. Um, so yeah, I, I really want to apologize to those poor kids from Holy Name of Mary. I, I, I jobbed you. I jobbed you good. It's a hard gig and it's, it's not, it's a little thankless. You know what I mean? It's not, we're not swapping baseball cards of umpires and we're not, you know, we're not talking about that great call, you know, other than, uh, uh, the great called strike of 2010, the NLCS, maybe the best called strike, uh, in baseball history, Brian Wilson get in the corner and it was the correct call. I guess we should celebrate moments like that. And Tom Hallian absolutely ripping an oblique on the call as yes, he is wont yeah. to do. But yeah, I mean, we got on this topic because of Rob Drake and Rob Drake, obviously, and Austin Slater are linked in Giants history because Drake was the umpire behind the plate and Slater was the was the batter at the plate for the final pitch of the Giants 2020 season and a very questionably called strike in a game that the Giants lost that if they'd won, they would have gone to the playoffs and would have gotten a chance to try to topple the Dodgers and basically what would have been a free roll for them. So, yeah, I, you know, it's uh, it, it is definitely worth noting that we did not notice Austin Slater in center field, but we did notice Rob Drake up to his Rob Drakings again behind the plate. The Giants win that game. They get in the postseason. A, they beat the Dodgers. They knock them out in the first round. C, that leads to speed up in the development of the vaccine. Vaccines released earlier. See, that means that we're all out and about right now, like more so than, than now. I think it speeds up the timeline of, of ending the pandemic. I think Rob Drake, he's uh, the reason why we're we're still not going to concerts right now. Is that too much? <laughs> yes. Blame blame Rob Drake for all of the ennui and, and, uh, and anxiety in your life. It's a convenient place to, to stash that. <laughs> so another question I had, and this was maybe the biggest one going into the season because we had such little information from the spring. Aaron Sanchez, I had no idea what to expect. And he came out in pitch. Well, I mean, he looked good. He he looked efficient. Uh, that's always been a problem with him over his career. He's throwing enough strikes. He didn't walk a batter. He was efficient. He got through five innings, probably could have pitched more if it were later in the year. Uh, he looked pretty good. Like he, you know, maybe not the velocity is not up where it was in his showcase, but he looked like a guy the Giants can work with. Yeah, I would say if if you watched that outing and you were sort of disappointed or underwhelmed, that's only because you allowed yourself to build up these massive expectations that, oh, he was throwing 97 in his showcase. They, they just signed another Kevin Gossman. This guy's going to have unbelievable, overwhelming stuff. And no, he's not at that stage. He's 
right now he's a good fifth starter. He's a guy who throws his breaking ball that's got good movement and he throws it around the plate. I, mean, I think his first like 13 or 14 he threw were for strikes. He's getting swings on that pitch and, and it's not resulting in a lot of hard contact. He gave up what, six hits? They were all singles. Three of them were infield ground balls. So yeah, that's exactly what you want. And um, 74 pitches in five innings. He absolutely could have gone further, but uh, they didn't want him to go up and down an extra time, which is understandable because he basically was kept on the backfields all spring except for one outing. So, yeah, it was a big deal for him. He had his family there. He's from Barstow. He's a local guy. Probably a cool thing that his 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 mom and his stepdad didn't have to, you know, cross three time zones and, and clear customs to go watch their kid pitch. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, it's after you haven't pitched in the big league since 2019, you have shoulder surgery, you're, you have self, self-doubt, so you're going to make it back. That was a big outing for him. And uh, and it was part of the stability that the, the rotation gave this team in its first turn through. Yeah. So I had no idea what to expect from Sanchez. I had more of an idea of what to expect from Desclafani because I, I was sort of on board that train. I, I thought he looked good. You know, he was a, a little more wild, but the velocities there he's he's missing bats he's got the kind of stuff that you didn't necessarily see in 2020 but you saw in 2019 and before when he was it wasn't that long ago he was like a a pitcher on the rise a reason why you should be excited about the reds and then last year it was just sort of this hiccup and everyone forgets about him the giants are able to get him on a one-year deal i thought he looked pretty close to the desclafani i remember yeah he was impressive just a lot of movement on all his pitches and uh you know another guy who you you really felt like he had a plan out there and he was in control and executing his plan. And, you know, there's no question that the Giants got strike throwers and they thought they got strike throwers for their bullpen as well. And obviously that hasn't really shown up yet outside of Jake McGee. But I think that as these guys get stretched out a little bit and maybe the bullpen will have to cover fewer innings, this could turn into, you know, what was a huge question mark could conceivably turn into a team strength if they can keep these guys healthy and kind of go into the post. I still think maybe Johnny Cueto might end up being the weak link in the rotation when it's all said and done. Yeah, no, I I think that that's accurate. I mean, the highest DRA in the rotation right now is Logan Webb, and he was the one that came out of spring with a head of steam, but I thought he looked pretty good too. I mean, every pitcher who's been out there for the Giants as a starter, I've thought, oh, this is pretty darn okay, or even better in the case of Gossman. So I've been impressed with the rotation so far. Yeah, and you know, again, it, they don't have a ton of depth. Their depth is basically Shun Yamaguchi and Scott Kazmir and um, Connor Menez. So they do have to keep these guys healthy, and that's going to be a big thing going forward. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Real quick before we move on, I'm going to settle this once and for now. I'm someone who is paid to talk about the Giants uh, for a living, and I, I think I should just nail it down 
how to pronounce Kevin Gausman's name. Gausman? Gausman. Gausman, right? I believe it's Gausman. Yeah. I say it different every time. It doesn't matter. Dwayne Kuyper calls Mauricio Dubon Dubon. So, you know, you can do whatever you want. But I think that's legit now. I think that came from him kind of pronouncing it like that for the the pre-game introduction or the video that they show on the scoreboard. And everyone sort of looked at each other and go, oh, okay. So it's Dubon. Um, So I think that's legit. What's our verdict on uh, Mike Morris? (laughs) Mike Mike Morris. Yeah, he would always call it Mike Morris. Mike Morris. Michael Morris. <laughs> I don't know if I ever picked up on you, that. You never noticed oh, that? No. Yeah. So, uh, so you go Michael Morris. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do remember that. It's just been 2014 is was what was that? 17 years ago. So I I had forgotten. Yeah, but yeah, Morris. I mean, you know, he's doing Kuiper. He can pronounce anyone's name however he wants. He's legendary. But uh, yeah, he 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 always called him Mike Morris. All right. All right. Let's move on to some bullpen worry power rankings. Matt Whistler, uh, he has allowed twice as many earned runs as he did last year. That that seems bad. Uh, are, <laughs> do you do you think that he's just it's just sort of another hiccup, or is there something going on with his slider, his command? I mean, what's going on with Whistler? I don't know. I, it's it's hard to it's hard to really make any broad pronouncements after a couple of appearances. But yeah, he had clean innings. He he didn't really inherit someone else's mess. He didn't have to come in there and throw strikes because he was entering with the bases loaded or something, and he just didn't throw enough strikes and. Uh, uh, um, and then obviously gave up the home run uh, that that lost him the one game they lost in San Diego. So um, not the start that he would want to get off to, I'm sure. He's a guy who's bounced around a ton, but he's also been involved in a lot of trades. He's been a guy that a lot of teams have wanted over the years. Uh, there's probably a reason the Twins cut him loose, right? They, they weren't going to be paying him that much money, but they non-tendered him. So, you know, yeah, you wonder what do the Twins know that maybe the Giants didn't know. Um, but, you know, it's I, I just think it's one of those deals where, you know, you look at it, you, you wonder, OK, is he going to move down to the pecking order? Uh, are they going to be reactionary after a couple of appearances? I'll be interested just to see how they use him, you know, and, and, and maybe they'll just wait for a time when they're getting thumped at eight to one or something and throw him in there for a get right inning. And that is, that's usually what managers will look to do. But I, I don't know if you move him out of a leverage spot after just a couple appearances, but it'll, it'll be interesting. Well, I think that's that's the part I'm going to watch is how is Gabe Kapler going to respond to this? Yeah, for the record, I, I think he's fine. I think it's just one of those things, one of those things that's magnified because it's the first week of the season. One pitcher, though, that, I, I, that I'm a little more concerned about, and maybe I'm making too much of this, but Reyes Moranta has a, a 0.00 ERA. He has not allowed a run. He's thrown 34 pitches this year. He's gotten one swinging strike. And that's Maranta's deal. He's not going to finesse you to death. He's not going to put it on the corners all the time. He needs to blow it past people. So far, I'm not seeing that from him. And that's a shoe I'm I'm sort of wondering when the other one's going to drop. Yeah, I think they're waiting until he can build up some fastball velocity. And you hope that he will. And until then, he's kind of living on his slider a little bit. And, uh, you know, maybe he just needs to get mad. And I don't know, shove. Manny Machado to the turf or something, uh, which which he actually did in San Diego. That, that was hilarious. I did laugh out loud at that play, by the way. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's I you know the, their right-handed relief I think is still one of the bigger question marks on this team, and it's it's a, an area that they tried to address. And um, 
you know, they, they obviously felt good about what they were able to do. They felt good about some of the people who were NRIs who didn't make the club, like Nick Tropiano, who are, who's at the alternate site. So if this group can't get it done, you know, Maranta does have an option uh, if he does run into some trouble or or, or it turns out that his his ability to not miss bats is, is not making him effective, then they have other people they can install. Um, but, you know, for now, I, I think it's just... Um, you know, yeah, the, the right-handed relief was was not up to snuff last year. They changed it out, and we'll see how this group does. Another pitcher I'm worried about is Jake McGee. I'm worried that he's going to make hitters look so bad that they're going to start <laughs> chucking their bats out on the mound like Burt Campanaris in the World Series, and, and maybe that'll hurt him. I mean, he just looks so damn good. Yeah. What, what did you think, though, when you watched uh, McGee and Melanson uh, both pitching in the ninth inning in that series? Uh, you know, it was kind of funny. It's like Giants closers pass, Giants closers closers present. And it's pretty obvious McGee is the closer on this team, just like it's obvious Melanson is the closer for the Padres, but neither manager wants to say it. Um, but yeah, McGee has looked great. Uh, it, it, obviously, his fastball has still um, got a lot of deception to it. He, he's been able to put it where he wants. Uh, really looks like he and Buster uh, know uh, which pitch to throw and are on the same page, which is easy when you throw the same pitch 99% of the time. Um, so yeah, it's uh, and I'm sure he'll go through struggles as well. He'll have some blown saves and he'll have some uh, rough patches. All relievers do, but yeah, for him to get off to a good start uh, is, is probably, he was probably the reliever who most needed to get off to a good start because we saw it with Melanson, you know, his very first outing as a Giants closer, he blew a save on opening day and it almost set a tone for his entire time with the organization. So um, yeah, you, you always want your closer to get off to a clean start and, uh, and the Giants uh, can say that they did it and, and throw Wandy Peralta in there. I mean, you know, the Giants don't, uh, lock down that that win in San Diego if Peralta doesn't come on with a runner at second base and strand him there uh, to record the save, which was no, no easy thing. So, um, you know, as, as much as, uh, you know, we're pointing out the the ways that the bullpen kind of messed itself in the first uh, road trip, they, they had some good moments too. Yeah, uh, I will say that I generally, do, I'm, I'm more dispassionate. I've, I've said this before about Giants games than I used to be. I, I'm not, you know, standing on the couch and throwing my remote control. I'm just watching because I'm looking for stories, looking for things to write. But it's something like there's still a part of my brain that that gets fired up. Uh, there, it's back in, it's, it's deep in the back now. And when Melanson was absolutely mowing Giants hitters down, that part started throbbing and like burning and it was like wait a second where where did this guy come from because he looked unhittable <laughs> mark melanson where was this guy yeah i mean clearly there were some sort of under the under the hood metrics on him because i mean they got the braves to pay the whole rest of his salary and we all thought that that was just wackadoodle at the time um but uh i think at the end of his giants tenure he was throwing you know he, his breaking ball was back he, he really did have that good late movement on his breaking ball again, which we hadn't seen, you know, in a couple of years. So, you know, I, I think he was kind of branded as a sunk cost and, and you know, rightfully so, uh, given what his performance was and what he was getting paid over the first, uh, you know, several years of that contract. But yeah, by the end with the Giants, he was probably throwing as well as he had his entire time with them. And, uh, and you know, the Braves obviously don't regret uh, having him around last year. And, um, and I, I think he's probably going to be the guy who will lock it down for the Padres. I, I'll even tell you that all of like the the guides and, and fantasy uh, 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 articles and everything were saying, oh, draft a Pomerantz, draft Emilio Pagan. You know, the Padres haven't named a closer, but it'll be Pagan. And I thought, you know what? Mark Melanson signed there 
Mark Melanson has always been the closer. He's not going to sign somewhere. He's not going to be the closer. That's kind of he's kind of insistent that that's his role. I mean, there's a reason he had the job in Atlanta last year and Will Smith didn't. Um, so I drafted Melanson with my very last pick in the whole draft, and I thought I'll bet you he's the closer in San Diego. And sure enough. Sweet mercy he is. You got to consult with me on this because I've got Pomerantz and I'm a little <laughs> steamed. Uh, I, I need some saves, dang it. No, it, it's uh, he was pretty good. I actually did write something last year where it's it's half jokey, half serious. But a, a reminder that if the Giants had Mark Melanson last year, they probably do make the postseason. Uh, and that it's a weird thing to say. Uh, but it, I don't know. Like, I, I really want Tristan Beck to, to make up for that because it, it's now you're thinking, gosh, what if what if the Giants had Mark? Mark Melanson. It's a weird thing to say. If it hadn't been for that horse, I never would have gone to yes. college. Yes. And Mark Melanson's the guy who every time I play a, a record on a, a very expensive turntable, I have that very expensive turntable because I won my fantasy <laughs> league in 2019 because of Mark Melanson saves. So every time I'm playing a record, it's oh, thank goodness, Mark Melanson. I've got a weird uh, he's he's in my Venn diagram of my brain in a weird way. Nice. Nice. What was the first record you played on your new record player? Uh, it is Elvis Costello album, uh, Imperial Bedroom. And the reason why is because it's a, a, a special edition that's hyper, you know, uh, audiophile quality. Uh, it's a mobile. I can't remember the, the the name of the company. It's the famous one. And I'm going to get kicked out of the record nerd club for not remembering it. But the mobile sound fidelity labs or whatever, it's that version. So that's the first one I put on. Ooh, sounds like a hi-fi. Is that a hi-fi? I have no idea about LP terminology. No idea. It's a very audiophile quality. And once I put it on, my wife and I looked at each other and our eyes bugged out of our head like, oh, this actually is different. Like I'm an idiot with taste buds. I'm an idiot with audiophile stuff. Stuff. Like, I, I just don't have the ability to listen for things like this, but I heard it this time. So put some ketchup on it and take a big bite. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, real quick, uh, before we get on to a different subject, I want to talk about Jake McGee's slider because uh, last last year, Jake McGee threw 10 sliders. Uh, this year, he has already thrown, let's see, seven sliders i i think it's a thing for him not necessarily a pitch that he's going to go to and he wants a strikeout but a pitch that he's going to go to against say manny machado geared up for a fastball you know it's going to be a pitch he's going to he threw three sliders to manny machado who machado walked but at the same time it showed me that he doesn't have to necessarily rely on the fastball if he's feeling uncomfortable about a certain hit or a certain situation yeah i, I noticed that too machado to, uh, the first two pitches to him, I think, were sliders. And, uh, you know, when Buster doubled down on it, you're like, whoa, they're doing some real mind games out here. Um, and, and that may have been a situation where they they basically are saying, look, we're not going to make a mistake to you. We're going to pitch around you and we're going to hope you get yourself out because you're too darn dangerous. But, you know, you still have to have confidence in that pitch to you know, make sure you don't hang it, right? And make sure that you don't, uh, you know, stick it somewhere where he can, you know, hit it 800 feet. So, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And, and and McGee, the couple times that he was in the Zoom room over spring training, he would say, no, I, I will be throwing my slider more this year. And all of us were kind of like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, right. Very funny. Um, we were all muted, but I'm sure that's what we were doing. Um, and, and lo and behold, yeah, he's, he's throwing a few more sliders. So, um, you know, 
Keep them guessing, I guess. So we have at The Athletic, we have access to metrics about our articles uh, and how they're read, how they're uh, how people react to them. You know, when you click that button uh, at the bottom where it says, uh, how would you feel about this article? And it's uh, meh, solid, awesome. And you should always click awesome because we see that. And if if and if you click the meh button, I think they dock uh, our pay a little bit. But uh, I, I we that's not true. But I wrote my least read, least interactive with least popular article of all last year was about Jake McGee's 10 sliders in 2020. It really was very that was a good one. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the article too. It was too wonky. It was too video heavy. It was but at the same time, my conclusion was you know, he only allowed one hit on a slider last year, and it was on a dribbler uh, to third base. And that's including the postseason when he really started to throw more sliders. And the postseason's what made me think, I don't think the Giants are just going to junk that pitch. I think there's a, a, a place for it, a time and a place for it. And the Giants are might be a little bit more excited about that slider and its potential than we're giving it credit for. And I think so far... He's finding his spots. He's picking his his time and place. So basically, you wrote a Galaxy Brain article and nobody read it. Exactly. That makes me sad for our subscribers. <laughs> but at the same time, it you know it teaches me lessons to to no I, I learned no lessons. I'm still going to write the same wonky nerdy crap whenever I, I have a, an idea. Uh, please give me these ideas because I I love nerding out on articles like that. My favorite kind of articles to write, and I don't know why, are the ones where I get to insert like 30 videos and talk a little bit about each one. I don't know why. That's just, that's like my niche. I wish that they were, that that was a more popular format. So you got me curious. So I looked in to see what my least viewed uh, (laughs) story has been. And I think this goes back like, like maybe four quarters or so. And um, when we were all sort of figuring out what the heck we're going to write, you know, last year around this time with no baseball, um, I collaborated with a couple of our other writers who have covered or do cover the Angels to come up with uh, um, the best Angels team of this century since I covered them briefly in 2000 and 2001. And that got 972 sub views. And I spent like a day on that. So, Whoa. yeah, I, I'm not I'm not contributing to any more Angels collaboration pieces. No more. I mean, my least read was the, the one I wrote about the Castro Valley movie theater, which was a, hey, so basically there was a, a not a promotion, but the athletic was doing this 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 theme of write something about something local that you want to see survive the pandemic. You know, just go for it. And I really I thought that was a cool idea. Uh, I wrote a love letter to the movie theater, basically. And. No one read it and it was unlocked and free for all. And that makes me sad because I was proud of that. It wasn't just about go to this Castor yeah. Valley movie theater. It was. It was just more like just loving the idea of movie theaters. And back then, in I think it was May or June, no one wanted to hear that. No one wanted to think about what they're missing out on. Yeah. On the on the flip side, I, I'm looking at my most viewed story. And that was uh, an exclusive hour-long interview with Barry Bonds. So I just need to do more of those. Maybe get a podcast going with them. <laughs> well, you've got 100 pence. Yeah. That, that, how, how else am I going to try to top that i guess with barry bonds exactly so we'll get off of this topic actually we're almost out of time but you know this is very this is a lot of navel gazing which is good good i like navel gazing yeah it's the first it's one week of the season we could either hyper analyze you know that and make too much of it or we could you know do some navel gazing either one either one's good by me i spent months on an article on mother's cookies uh, the history i i tracked down uh one of the the marketing directors who was responsible for it and he gave me all these great quotes uh i had to do like internet 
internet sleuthing, had to like look at real estate records to find him and, and get his phone number. Like I was a real journalist for this one. And <laughs> it took me, I took a long time and, uh, you know, it didn't really do that well. But my 10 bold, dumb and or silly predictions for the Giants in 2021, seven times, literally seven times the, the number of subscriptions gotten from that article. So the the moral of the story Never try. <laughs> Never try, kids. Never try. And, and don't expect anything and you won't be disappointed. But no, it, it is <laughs> it is interesting to see what, you know, it, hey, we're, we're here for, for uh, the folks who are listening right now and, and for subscribers and and to try to, you know, provide things that they're enticed to, to read, not not to, to, to write clickbait, but to write things that people want to engage with. And, and sometimes, you know, we have a good feel for that. And sometimes we miss the mark. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess if, if, if I've learned anything from, from our discussion here in the last 10 minutes, it's that I just need to do more Barry Bonds uh, exclusive interviews <laughs> and, and probably maybe every once in a while unmask the secret rodeo identity of major league pitchers. That also would help. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. And if it sounds like we're complaining, we're not complaining. I think it's no. you right for long enough you it's funny you know what hits and what doesn't i remember i released this big article one day at sb nation that i was very very proud of and the same day uh one of my co-workers wrote about the little league kid who ran home in slow motion it was like a viral video and you know he put like two paragraphs under this viral video it crushed my story by probably <laughs> six hundred thousand views and it's funny you can't not help it or you, you have anyways all right this has been episode number 122 it started out with some baseball talk and then we started talking about ourselves and I'm okay with that. So thanks for listening and we will be back on Monday. I think the Rockies series at home, that's a series that generally favors the Giants. So we'll have stuff to talk about. Uh, we will know if it's good or bad. See you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.